Cool. So we're continuing on. This is actually the last uh, Sunday in our series uh, on the church where we're taking some time to look at um, language in terms of what is our collective vision together as a community? How do we express uh, what we're called to, what we're wanting to be? And uh, the purpose of this series isn't really even to lock in final language around these things, but for us to just engage with the core ideas around what we believe we are and who we're to be. And and at some point, maybe a super snazzy logo and new vision statement will come out of it. But, but this is really just an opportunity for us to engage with, uh, with our DNA, with the sense of who we are as a community, what we want to be. And so we've summarized it to look at these sort of three core ideas. We want to encounter Jesus. Uh, we expect that will transform us, and we just want to share that encounter with others, right? We want to encounter Jesus, be changed by him, and, and of course share our experience. It's just a very, very simple statement of what it is to walk with Jesus. Uh, we've broken it uh, down into this uh, statement, at least for now, is how we're articulating it. We want to encounter Jesus together, expecting what he has done and what he is doing to change us and propel us to facilitate that encounter for others. And we've talked about sort of the first part of the statement that gather Uh, why we do it together, uh, what we expect in terms of transformation, how he changes us. And now we're going to look at just that part about how we're faced outward, how we go outward, how we are uh, being propelled to facilitate that encounter with Jesus for others. Um, we looked at this, uh, this vision of the church as an, the ecclesia that it's described as in the, in the scriptures where uh, it's a called out group of people. People are called out from their homes. They're called to gather around the cross to hear the message of Jesus. They're called to hear that thing that God wants to say to the culture that changes us. But then that ecclesia is something that is called out to. The church is called out to somewhere. And if you look at this image, we're called out to Canada. We're called out to Ontario. We're called to Europe. We're called to coffee shops. We're called to the north. We're called to Russia and Africa and South America and Asia. We're called to the schools and workplaces. So we're called together to be transformed and we're sent out. And so what does that mean for us? How do we sort of break down that idea of us being propelled out from where we are to facilitate Jesus' encounter for others? Uh, To break it down, that word propel means that we are motivated, empowered, and equipped. So to be propelled out to do the things that God is calling us to do means that we're motivated, we want to do it. Uh, We have the power to do it through the Holy Spirit, and we need some training to do it. And we as a church, some of these things we've done well, some of these things we haven't done well, some of these things we've done a little bit of, and some of these things we haven't done nearly enough. But but as we think about what it means to be propelled, uh, those are some areas of emphasis for us to uh, figure out what a healthy motivation is, to figure out what it is to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and to be equipped. And this idea of facilitate, because this is kind of a a wooden phrase almost, uh, this word facilitate is kind of a not a kind of word that you would normally see in a church vision statement, but the idea is that we are servants to the purpose and the people that we're called to. So we're not called to uh, draw people to us. We're not called to draw people to our church. We're not called to draw people to come and hear our great bands. 
We're not called to, to lift those things up in any way, right? All of those things are things that must serve the encounter with Jesus for people. So we are like, we are like floor moppers and toilet cleaners and sound gear setter uppers and coffee shop goers and buyers of coffee for other people. Uh, we're getting on planes and booking tickets to go to the mission field. The, the call to facilitate that encounter with Jesus is often something that is just very, very simple and very, very practical. Uh, so we just want to recognize that in our vision statement that we're called to get our hands dirty to uh, allow that encounter with Jesus to happen in the world. We're facilitators of the encounter. It's not an encounter with us, it's an encounter with Jesus. And then just this idea of for others, who are our others? The Lord gets to choose those people. As we humbly say, the Lord gets to choose those we're called to. He gets to lead us. He gets to guide us. We don't get to just choose people we like. We don't get to just choose the people we want to go to. We don't get to choose the people that make us feel good. Uh, We go cross-cultural. We go intergenerational. uh, We go irrespective of social boundaries. That we're called to go to the other. We're called to go to the poor. We're called to go to the weak. We're called to go to the hospitals. We're called to go to the prisons. Uh, We're called to go to Aboriginal communities. We're called to go to uh, whatever communities of people that that God calls us to. We just don't get to go to ourselves. If you're going to yourselves, you're not really going, right? So, so that's just how we unpack that language. But to just unpack the heart around it, uh, this idea that uh, we are empowered, we're equipped, and motivated. Around that idea of empowerment, we've taught about this a lot, right? That it's a, an empowerment that comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit pours out his gifts on us, and we uh, receive the ability to do supernatural things in his name powerful things in his name facilitating encounters with Jesus that go beyond our own ability. So once we've facilitated the practical thing of getting to a person's house or getting into a coffee shop with a person, that's when we call on the supernatural to move in our lives, right? That's when we call the Holy Spirit to come and and give us a prophetic word, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. Uh, We're encountering people uh, and asking for prayer for healing. Uh, we're, We're asking the Lord to do something amazing because we believe he empowers his church to do that. Uh, one of one of our greatest challenges is that, is that sometimes we just don't know what to do. We're we're not equipped, right? So often we we want to do the thing that that we're called to do, but how many of you are just scared to to do that sometimes, right? We're just scared because we just don't know what we're doing. We don't know how to share his story. We don't know how to do the simple apologetics of walking people through uh, what their uh, doubts and reservations around faith are. There's training and equipping to do in that area. There's training and equipping to do in terms of how do we pray for someone who's sick? How do we invite them into that journey with Jesus? There's, there's equipping to do. That's something we need to learn. But uh, what I want to talk about today mostly is just that idea of, uh, of motivation. Is there anybody here who, who loves Jesus who just thinks, yeah, well, I think that's it. I, I, I don't think Jesus wants to reach any other people. Uh, I think he's kind of done. Like, he's got enough. Like, his family is pretty big. Like, there's lots of people here at church. And uh, uh, there seems to be a pretty reasonable percentage of Christians in North America. 
uh, feels like feels good. Feels like like all thumbs up. You know, like you know, I have no desire to reach re- reach anybody because we got it covered. Anybody in that camp? <laughs> right? That's not how we're wired. That's that's not who we are. So so we don't really have a problem with motivation. I, I honestly think what we lack is is boldness. Right? Beyond the equipping and the empowering that we we need to receive, we just we 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 just lack boldness. Now, now, what does that mean in, in the scriptures? How are we propelled? And and in order for me to share this story, I have to share a really embarrassing story about myself. How many of you seen The Parent Trap? Honestly, I'm here in church talking about a Lindsay Lohan movie. Um, like so, right there, you should think all theology is suspect, but um, I am the worst softy when it comes to this movie. My children, my children tricked me into watching it a couple of months ago so they could watch their father cry like a little baby. (laughs) And honestly, like, like this moment... And I don't know if you've seen the movie, but the story is the story of these two twins, and they're uh, they're split apart and sent to other continents, and they end up at a common summer camp um, where they are competing and trying to figure out who's this other person. She looks kind of like me. They're figuring it all out, and finally, there's this moment where they have this revelation where they put together a picture. One has a picture of her mom, one has a picture of her dad, and they put the pictures together. And there's this moment where they figure out that it's the same picture and every single time with you know that string music playing in the background you know how they just manipulate your emotions in those movies every single time I would <laughs> every single time like I can't even fake my own crime but it's it's uh, it's just it's just embarrassing honestly and 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 my kids know it right so I'm sitting on the couch we're watching this movie and my kids when that part is coming on, they're not even watching the movie anymore. <laughs> they're not even watching. They're just looking at me. <laughs> Dad's going to crack. Dad's going to crack. And every single time I do. And, and it's not just this movie. It's, it's a lot of other movies. It's, it's, it's other films. And for me, uh, the moment that I connect with more than absolutely anything that Hollywood produces or that, that, that happens in my real life is this idea of reconciliation. The very heart of our mission as a church, the heart of this desire to facilitate encounters with Jesus is a desire to see people reconciled to him. Humanity has a broken relationship with God. And God is always going, always going, always moving. Everything he does is to reconcile people to him. And so I crack every time the movie comes on. Because that heart is the heart that he's put in me. And I think probably it's the heart that he's put in you, but he has blessed you with emotional control while watching movies. So that's, uh, that's just the way that goes. Thank you. You're all blessed with that. Apparently I'm not. 
Um, but I want to just show it to us in the scriptures. Show this heart of the Father. And the way we're going to look at it, there's so many places we could look at it. This idea of being propelled to be reconcilers. I mean, I thought we could look at this amazing story in Acts 2 where uh, the disciples are gathered and the Holy Spirit falls on them in the upper room and they go out speaking in tongues. And Peter preaches this amazing sermon from Joel 2. Uh, the, the Spirit will be poured on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see dream. And, you know, all that kind of amazing stuff. And 3,000 were added to their number in that day. There's so many places we could tell that story of God's heart to reconcile in the scriptures. But I want to pull it from Paul's ministry because he's been spending a lot of time in Second. Corinthians lately. And so let's just look together and we'll read 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 11 to 20. And uh, I'm going to read it through. Um, now, just to make it short enough for us to unpack, I've pulled out some of Paul's rabbit trails. When Paul preaches, he'll often like pause and take a minute to justify why he's the apostle who is required to say this at this point, or to justify his ministry, or to explain a certain thing. And all of that adds incredible richness to the text. But I pulled some of that out just for the sake of time. So as I read this, I just really encourage you to go back to the scriptures at some point when you get home, and just read the whole text, 2 Corinthians 5, 11-20. But I've pulled some highlights out of it, out of the first part and we'll try to put it together so let's just read this together since then we know what it is to fear or reverence the lord we try to persuade others for christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Let's just unpack, and we're not going to spend a a long time. Uh, This is, again, this passage is really, really rich, and and I think I I only scratched the surface of it, you know, in studying. But uh, let's just unpack these few things. This first phrase in 2 Corinthians 11, Since then we know what it is to fear or reverence the Lord, we try to persuade others. There is something that happens to us as, as people when we come to know Jesus, when we come to fall in love with him, for me, it was a little Baptist camp in, in northern Saskatchewan, uh, more encounters with him in high school. There's something about that um, desire, that connection, that relationship that, that just, just demands to be shared, doesn't it? There's something about that encounter with the reverence of God that demands to be shared. What Paul unpacks a little bit later in the passage is just the idea that it's ultimately just truth-telling to do so. 
when we have had an encounter with Jesus, when we've come to know his love and know his power, that it, that it, it, it is impossible for us to want to live in a way that's disconnected from that. Or, or at the very least, we're drawn to live in a way that the reality of the love and the presence of God that we've experienced through coming to know him is something that has walked out in our lives is something that is evident both inside of us and outside of us, right? So we know what it is to reverence, to worship the Lord, so we just try to persuade others. I mean, this is real, so you guys, you guys, you guys want in? Right? This is a real deal. You, 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 you guys want some? This is really cool. This stuff tastes great. This is like the best pizza ever. Do you want to try some? That's what it's about, right? This is amazing. We want to share this experience. It's so good. He's so amazing. He goes on to say this uh, a few verses later. Uh, the passage that I've taken out is Paul's justification for his ministry. It's rich, beautiful. Uh, but it says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. So it's not just truth now. It's not just uh, the reality of this thing happened to me, I want it to happen to you. But there's something in behind us that actually fuels it, that actually pushes us out. That there's something about the love of Christ that when it comes into us, it is not just a quantity that comes in and is static inside of our bodies as though we're a cup with, uh, with, with no lid, we're just a cup that's poured into. There's something about the love of Christ. When it comes into us, it doesn't want to stay in us. The love of Christ doesn't want to stay there. It wants to move. It wants to go. It wants to expand. It wants to overflow. It never stops pouring out. The love of Christ is always going somewhere. The love of Christ compels us because we're convinced that one died for all. Like, this is a phenomenal gift. If he died for me, this is what Paul is saying here, if he died for me, this love of Christ is inside me, but, but it's not just for me, it's, it's for everybody. It, it came in here, but now it's going over there. And now it's going over there and over there and over there, and I'm going to follow it wherever it goes. Right, that love of Jesus is something that we follow wherever it goes. Uh, we're convinced that, that he died not just for me, but he, he died for everybody. And we have to go out and tell that story. And he goes on to say this, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. So we don't just view this as a mechanical exercise. We don't just view this as a material exercise. So often the, the fault and the pain of Christianity uh, expanding itself in the world has been a kind of a spirit of colonialism. A spirit of, of business advancement, a spirit of, of go out there and, and, and do this thing because uh, we have to expand our business, we need to whatever. It's not in a worldly view. It's not like this is just something that we have to do because it's the thing that we have to do. He goes on in verse, 30, uh, verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone, in, it wasn't, is, is, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. There's something different now about us as we go out and tell the story. So it's not just we as people, who we are, filled by Christ, trying to chase his love everywhere. Somehow, 
this love that has entered into us has, has made us into different people. Through what Jesus has done on the cross, he's made us into something different than we were before. We're a new creation, and there's lots about that in 2 Corinthians. The old has gone, the new has come. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The old is gone, and the new is here. We're not doing this out of who we were. We're doing this out of our transformedness. This call to go out is something that, that, that happens in a way that uh, as God has come into us, he's made us something different. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not calling people's sins, or not counting people's sins against them. So we don't view people, this is what he's talking about in the previous verse, right? We don't view people the way we once regarded them. We don't view people as sinners, Because Jesus isn't counting his sin against them. We view them as potential new creation. We view people not as sinners, but we view people as those for whom the love of Christ has been poured out. We see them not as a them and an us, but we see them as an almost us. Right? We see them as as a person in whom the love of God was invested on the cross. They may have not accepted it yet. They may have not received that incredible love yet. But that love was poured out for them just as much as it was for us. So we don't see them as the them. We see them as the almost us. We see them as people who are not so far they're much closer than, than, than we'd thought of them before. And, and, and he committed to us this message of reconciliation. This message that God wants to be reconciled to his people, that he wants those relationships healed with him. That is our message. That's our message. Jesus loves you so much. He just wants to be with you. Would you just maybe pray a little with me? Would you just invite him into your life a little bit? That's what we're doing in the coffee shops. That's what we're doing when we give uh, food to the poor. That's what we're doing uh, when we do Sunday mornings and and we bring our our non-Christian friends in. That's what we do when we go to Africa or South America. We're just simply saying, Jesus loves you so much. He just wants to spend time with you. The end of it all is this encounter with Jesus that is the reconciliation and the rebuilding of relationship. It's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. We are his ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, God's invitation to them is something that because of the way he's designed the universe, the way he's made us, and the incredible trust he's invested in us, that he's going to get that message out through you. Through the new creation that you are. And through me. There's there's a call to just let ourselves be used by him. To let that evangelism, to let that gospel, to let that 
uh, facilitation of encounter just flow and flow and flow and flow through our lives. He, he's going to do it, but he, he's going to do it through you. He wants to do it through you. He's, he's made you a necessary part of the process for somebody else. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, isn't that so interesting? Paul is talking about our, our mission, talking about our purpose as reconcilers, and what is the instruction that he gives us to go out and go forth and be reconciled? Be reconciled to yourself. And when, you ask, when we ask the initial question that we talked about uh, partway through this talk, the problem isn't a motivation, the problem is a lack of boldness, right? Isn't that the, the question that we talked about? The reason we're not bold is because in so many areas of our lives, we are simply not reconciled to God. Our, our hearts aren't healed. Our, our hearts just just aren't healed. All of our fears, all of our insecurities, all of the things that hold us back from going out and telling the Jesus story are all reflections of poor images we have of the love and power of God. They're all reflections of our broken God images. I mean, for myself, I spent an enormous amount of time in the last couple of weeks um, with full honor to my mom and loving my mom but she was a brooding and, and fearful person in some ways. And I have seen God as a brooding and fearful God. And in my desire to do things in perfect ways, I simply have not done some things that I ought to have done. Right? My broken image of God this peace in me that's not reconciled with the truth of who he is hinders the gospel. And so it, it is incumbent on us to open our hearts to transformation so that the story gets out. We need to be reconciled to God in order that we be reconcilers. That primary method by which we reconcile others is by being reconciled ourselves. And, and that's where the boldness comes from. So reconciled heart is a bold heart. So the question for, for all of us, and this is where, you know, I, I could tell all kinds of stories of application, my own story, which I'm seeing in, in some fresh ways in the last uh, several weeks. When I'm a little less punch drunk from all that, I'll maybe tell a little bit more of that story. But um, uh, when... What, what I want to do is just provide a moment for the Holy Spirit to just come and speak to us and just minister to us and show us those ways in which we just haven't let ourselves be reconciled to God. Remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about we have been saved, we are being saved, and we shall be saved. So everyone here who's a believer knows that they have been saved. They know that positionally, theologically, you have been reconciled to God. You, you, you're saved. Your relationship with him is good. Your, your eternal destiny is secured. 
but doesn't he want to transform you still? So let's just allow the Holy Spirit to come in this moment and say, what part of me isn't reconciled to God? What part of me uh, is a broken image of God the Father that holds me back from doing the things that God is calling me to do? Where is my fear? Where is my fear of failure? Where is my insecurity? Where does all that come from? And we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak and to heal us. Let's just bow our heads and pray. Lord, healing isn't an easy process. It's certainly not an easy process for me. But all we can do is provide these encounters with your presence, with your spirit. Encounters that transform us. So we just invite you to encounter us this morning. Would you show us uh, the areas where we're not reconciled to you? We proclaim that all the work of reconciliation has been done by you. But would you show us uh, where we just haven't yet accepted it? Where we've locked off parts of our heart because we believe you're an angry God. Or we've blocked off parts of ourselves because we're afraid of you. All of our wounds that are there, gone. Would you just come by your spirit and speak and touch?
young prophet and the old prophet. <laughs> That's a pretty good word from a father who wants to reconcile himself to you. Now, I don't know what the Lord was speaking to you about uh, in, in those moments, you know, seeing your own brokenness, but, but hear exactly what Harold said. Hear the father saying, go. Come to me, bring that stuff to me, lay it down and be free. Be the new creation that he's made you to be. That, that's what it's about. Uh, you know, oftentimes with, uh, with, with healing and, and prayer, it does take some time and take some processing. And we just, just invite you to, to get someone who loves you to pray for you through that stuff that's maybe been holding you back. Um, there's some process there that's really helpful in terms of uh, recognizing the lies that you've believed about yourself, renouncing them, uh, speaking forgiveness over those who, who have hurt you or wounded you or caused you to believe those things about yourself, and really letting God to speak his truth in the place of those lies. And it's those moments of, of hearing the truth of the Lord spoken into the lie that, uh, that is transformative. So let's just take a tiny moment, that lie you believed about yourself, that wound that you have, what does the Father want to say into that moment, into that brokenness, into that thing that you felt like has separated you from him? Let's bow our heads for a moment and let, just let the Father speak words of truth over you. Lord, we abandon the lies. We forgive those who have, uh, have wounded us, as Harold prayed, have cursed us. We ask in the place of the lies, in the place of the curse, would you speak your truth? Come, Holy Spirit. Does anybody have an interpretation for that tongue? You know, there's, there's just stuff to ruminate over and to pray over, right? We, all this work, sometimes it does happen, like, so miraculously, so instantaneously. If that's happened to you, you need to find space to tell that story. And if you feel like you need to process more and pray with someone, that's what we do in home churches. That's what, uh, you know, our staff, what our, our, our people do, like what Anna and I do, what Doug and Linda do, what Jake does, Kathy does. That's what, that's what we do. So just tell your story. Uh, to to someone and get them to pray with you, and more training and equipping coming around all of this. But but it, isn't it be amazing to be set free as ambassadors with full boldness and full joy, Robert? <laughs>